Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Did you get my text? I did, yes. Care to read it? <laughs> Killing us, another goal achieved by you. <laughs> This is the this is the inner this is the byplay the two of us have all the time. It's <laughs> just kidding each other all the time. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kier, Routes eleven and fifteen Omos Wharf online, SunburyMotors.com, Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, all with great warranties, which makes a big difference in this day and age. Also in this day and age, guess what? You are, you know, you may look around and say, God, I need to go pre-owned. You want to have one with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It makes such a big difference. It's all at Sunbury and a great service department with fabulous technicians that just do a great job. It's all at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, almost worth online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day, Tom Brady and the Bucks come back and win it at the wire. It's third down. Underneath, and touchdown, Rashad White! Tie game with the extra point to come. Flag on the play. Extra point is good, but the flag is down. One point try was successful. Unsportsmanlike conduct, leverage on New Orleans. Tampa Bay will have the 15 yard penalty enforced on the kickoff. Uh, Joe Buck and uh, I believe that's Craig Rolstad, the uh, referee at the end. Leverage, by the way. Leverage. So in college, you can jump over the center. Oh, wait, that was a penalty. You had eight people. They all missed it. <laughs> that was the Michigan State game. And you could laugh about that stuff because they won. Like, you know, like, he jumped over him. We can't do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, the Bucks won last night. Great win. Tampa Bay. They're now back to um, 500. They're at 6 and 6. Okay. So let's turn our attention to the Steelers, the NFL from SI.com. Joining us is Neil Kulong. Sir, always a pleasure. Yeah, we're, uh, we're here back at it. As always, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. We are back at it. The uh, Steelers are now back in the playoff picture. They're right in the depth of it. I can tell by the tone of your voice. They are. Uh, they are in the hunt. They are in the the far right column of the playoff projections, the playoff picture. You've got the top seeds. You've got the wild card, and then there's 
in the hunt. The Steelers at at five and seven in a, what looks like a, 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 a train of other five and seven teams, which is why they're currently there. But it only brings you back to a, a couple games. And I'll be honest, going into this season, I never thought there would be a point we would honestly say if this went this way and that went that way, both things really just didn't go in the Steelers' favor, they'd be in the thick of it. And it, it's it's crazy, but it's true. I mean, get that Jets game back. Yes. You know, if, you, if you've got Week 13 Kenny Pickett playing, they probably win that game. I mean, yeah. that really, you know, that went on him. The end of the Dolphins game, that went on him. That's, that's two wins. You know, if Gunnar Olszewski decides to – uh, catch the punt with his hands and on his face mask. Well, I mean, everybody has their own it. method, Neil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, for some reason they're still giving him the ball. I'm not sure why, but um, it, it, a, a few things go differently early in the season, the point where they, they really had to figure things out. Um, th- this team is, is in competition. I'm not saying that it's over yet, and uh, it, beating the Ravens with or without Lamar Jackson is not an easy task. They got to do that no. twice. They probably have to more or less win out. Um, it, it's it's a tall order, but you, you have to give them some credit. I mean, this yeah. I I wrote this team off this time last year. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. they really did not uh, look like they were going to be able to field a competitive product. But I think the the biggest story is they've, they've won three of four, and they're getting. Um, it, it, this is blasphemy to say that they're getting average play at best out of T.J. Watt, who's clearly right. not right. That's right. Uh, their defense is hanging on without the star power that he brought uh, from last season. It really goes to show uh, how far they've come. And it, it's it's been fun to watch the last couple of weeks. They also caught a little bit of a break in this because they have, what, five wins? And three of them are against the NFC South, which is easily the weakest division in the NFL. I mean, and they still have a game to play with Carolina. Yep, they still got still got the lowly Panthers on that schedule, but uh, it, it's it's not an unusual year. The Steelers lose one of those kinds of road games. You know, it, it's it's not out of the question for them to do that. Kind of a, uh, a a tricky Falcons team that's tough. They really good running teams. Uh, they can get hot. They can get coordinated and do the right thing over three drives and, and beat you in low-scoring games. And what really impressed me with the Steelers in that win was the, the last two competitive plays that they had. They, they got it from uh, Presley Harvin, best punt of his career, without question, an absolute right. beauty, to put him at the one. And this was the point that I feel like the, the Steelers' offense just couldn't get done uh, for the sake of their defense throughout this game. They're up 16-3. to three. I should have been like twenty-four to three. If they would, if they would have been able to get the Falcons back uh, enough to be able to to get them out of the run game and force Mariota to to throw, they would have blown them out. That would have been a big win for them. But Pickett missed on just a couple throws. Their offense missed on just a couple opportunities. If if they were able to do just those things, they could have blown them out. But what happens? Harvin puts a, a punt at the half yard line. Absolutely perfect punt force Mariota to throw. You don't even get great pressure, but enough that he makes a mistake. Fitzpatrick would have taken that for, mm-hmm. for six easily, but he right. wisely goes out of bounds. Steelers kneel it out and win. The last two plays of that game, critical plays, and they, they won them both resoundingly. Um, the Jets game, they lost four of those plays at the end right. of that game. Dolphins game, they lost five of them at the end of the game. 
uh, those things are swinging in their favor now, and that that's that's progress. You know, you're you're happy to see that. Uh, I I think it's safe to say this team is probably not going to win a Super Bowl, but to see them building the way that they are uh, with the draft capital they have coming up, you're you're much more optimistic about where this team is going now in the future. I, I know I ask this every week, but are you seeing the progress in Kenny Pickett that makes you think that he is a longer term solution? The fact that Pickett is is keeping me right on this edge, right on the edge mm-hmm. of the cliff, to me now is progress. Yep. He is consistently just missing on a couple of them. The the throw, uh, the, the, my opinion, and I, I don't think this gets talked about enough, Pat Frymouth ran the best route of his career. Did an excellent job on an inside post. He was there. Pickett just missed him. Maybe a foot off. Uh, it, it, tough throw, tough window, but Farmouth had exact, the exact angle that he needed. Um, he got the right depth on the play. Reaching out, he could have caught that and fallen into the end zone. That would have been a monster play for the Steelers at that point. Pickett just missed him, just like he, he just missed Pickett, Pickens the week before um, on, on what would have been a touchdown pass against the Lions. Uh, he, he's missed on just a couple of these now every game. And he's, you know, knock on wood, but he's still not turning the ball over. He hasn't turned the ball over in a while. Right. Um, he's making more plays each game. They're expanding um, what he's doing. He's playing with so much more confidence than he was early on. You have to be very encouraged by where he is. This is 20 overall, not two overall. Right. So, it, to me, you're seeing a lot of great things from him. I, I just I can't help but feel like he's he, – He's on the, the, the brink of a big game. Like, I could see a 300-yard, four-touchdown pass game coming from him soon just because he's only missing on a few of these plays. Now, we can get into strength of opponent and all that stuff. Yeah. And he, you know, 300 yards and four touchdowns isn't even Roethlisbergian versus the Ravens. I mean, it's it, it more than likely isn't going to happen this week. But uh, he, he's becoming more and more of a positive factor in the team. And everything else, I think, is feeding off of that. You're getting much better play from the offensive line. The running game seems magically fixed. I, I, it's hard to even comprehend how that happened uh, as quickly as it did. They've put a lot of things together, and Pickett is, is rising it all. He's carrying everything with it. And this is the type of, of play at a high end you hoped to get from Kenny Pickett. Again, the, the guy, uh, the sum of his, his whole is greater than the sum of his parts. He doesn't have elite traits. But he puts things together, and he makes plays on the field. And he's a momentum guy. He's a very positive energy guy. He makes plays happen. Uh, they're, they're getting more and more of that. So right now, for me, as, as somebody that said back in, in week five, week six, you got the rest of the season to figure out whether or not Kenny Pickett uh, is going to be your guy. And you're going to see, I think, over the course of that, whether he is or he isn't. Because if you only win two of your last 11 games or whatever it was, he's probably not your guy, and you probably have a really high draft pick. So – I, I think the answer there is clear. But now I, I think they have a guy. I think they have uh, a player who's risen above a pretty mm-hmm. large amount of adversity. I mean, this was a really, really bad offense. And they're not great or anything now, but they, they've improved a lot in, in a pretty short amount of time. It makes you wonder how high that ceiling is. How much, how much further can they go with this? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm in for, for year two of that. Let's, you know, there, there's a lot of work to do, not at all suggesting they're, they're great or they can just coast now, but you have to like the, the direction they're going in because you don't see teams improving 
uh, offensively that much during the season. All right, so the fear with Lamar Jackson, and it has to be the unspoken fear that the Philadelphia Eagles have with Jalen Hurts is that when you move as much as they move, the potential is you are going to get hit and obviously possibly hurt. For him, it's a, it's a PCL. It ends up being a PCL. How different are the Ravens, in your opinion, with Hundley at quarterback compared to what they do with Jackson? Um, I, I, as far as a difference goes, I think the passing game is similar. Because yeah, I, I don't I think they're asking Lamar to, to hit a lot of deep out. Um, they're not having him drop seven and, and put his foot down and chuck it somewhere. It's a lot more read and react. He always has that running option. It seems like Huntley has that option as well. Um, I don't know if it differs a whole lot in terms of what they're doing. The level of play, though, is, is noticeable. Yeah, um, sure. It, it's, there it's there are reasons why you're the backup. Yeah, yeah, and I, it, it, it's it's odd to me because Huntley is one of the more experienced backups in the game now. He's played a lot yeah. um, over the last two seasons, and it seems likely uh, at, at this point, Tuesday afternoon, that uh, Huntley is the guy that the Steelers are going to see. Yeah. They've seen him before, so right. it, it's they they don't have to worry so much about um, it, it, an element of surprise or anything like that. The Ravens are going to do what they do. Um, I, I think he is capable of winning. A game, um, it's not going to be pretty, and he's he's tough late. I think they do a good job of uh, mapping out uh, what would need a, a must score ten play drive. They they put him in those positions, and he's delivered for them before. Um, it, it's quarters one through three that you worry about with him. Um, it, it doesn't seem like he has a, a great grasp over what he's doing. Uh, made a couple really nice plays against Denver that I liked. Uh, they're, they're, yeah. He rolled out, looked like he was getting sacked for sure. Rolled out to his left, and his, his outlet option had to turn up the field. Um, Huntley looked somewhere else, then went back to him uh, down the sidelines. Really, really smart play. Uh, he put the throw right on the money. He's capable of doing those kinds of things. I, I wouldn't expect that the Steelers' defense uh, can just show up here and, and not do anything, not the way that they've been going against the ground, which I'd imagine uh, the Ravens are going to want to do um, in this game in particular. But it, it, you, you worry a little bit about him just because you've seen him. He's had some success. It, it is a, a technically a backup quarterback, but they should view him as a starter. The amount of times that, that he's had to play, both as a starter and an in-game replacement, uh, and the fact that they've seen him, the Steelers have seen him as a starter, I, I would imagine um, they're, they're going to give him the respect that he deserves um, simply because – Without the the real high end pressure that they're used to getting uh, with a, a fully healthy TJ Watt on the field, they're they're capable of getting beat on a drive, and that's happened sure. a couple times. And this right. Ravens Steelers game, you may as well bet on sixteen to thirteen. So you better make some kicks and you better get some stops. That that's really what the Steelers are going to have to look at leading into this. Now, to me, the definition of a really good backup quarterback in the NFL is a guy that can fill the the breach for you for a couple of games, right? They're not going to lose it for you. They're good enough to win you a couple of games. It's when they become a long-term solution, then you that's when you find out why they're a backup quarterback. Like Cooper Rush was, I think, as took it as far as he could take it. 
who knows how far Brock Purdy's going to have to take it in San Francisco. <laughs> this right? is wild. Yeah, I mean, what a great story. Yeah. And, <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy picked in the draft, is now the starting quarterback for one of the biggest threats of the NFL, the 49ers. Uh, but to me, that's what a backup quarterback in the NFL is. Can you hold the fort for a couple of games till the starter gets back? Hunley can do that. It's the problem is going to be if he has to do it for weeks and weeks. Yeah, that's always the question with Lamar, too. You know, the, the style that he plays. Yep. Um, it, not to suggest... That's why that I mentioned running. Hertz. Hertz plays the same way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that the contract issue coming up with him, that that's going to be a thing. Will Philadelphia, you know, look to draft the quarterback again? Um, wouldn't surprise me. They did it once with Hertz and, and struck gold. Um, it, it's, it's a position that has to have insurance. You know, there's a lot of talk about I, – I happen to agree with this philosophy. The backup quarterback is a top 20 roster position for your team. Yes. Uh, there's just too many instances of that. Mm-hmm. Let, let's put it into the terms that you just used. If you're, you're in a situation where your starter is going to be out three, four weeks, which is not uh, a, a certainty for Lamar Jackson, but that tends to be sort of the recovery time for the injury that he's said to have, you need a guy that can play for three, four weeks. Um, while there is not quite enough film yet to really pick apart everything that he's doing, you still have the ability to hide some things because he's been in camp and practice with you all this time. You might be able to get away with stuff that an opponent hasn't seen yet in, in the, the fourth game. Probably not going to extend much beyond that. And, and Cooper Rush, I think, is a great example of that. Uh, the clock struck midnight with him. I mean, that, that was ending pretty quickly. But he did a great job, you know, an admirable effort. And I think that we've seen Huntley do that before. The question to me now is you treat him like a starter. You've got this information on him. I don't think they have anything left that they can really roll out to say um, this is our surprise package that we've been working on on the side. Uh, for this type of situation, <laughs> right. is he good enough to do that? Um, I, I don't know, but it, it's to me this is the most intriguing matchup of this weekend. I think it's yeah. a really good game, and I think it's going to end up having uh, a lot of significance, especially considering there's a rematch coming just what three weeks after this one. With what is it all about him playing hurt, or is there something else? Um, I, I don't know. I, the, the team is being very tight-lipped about it. Um, I, that means he's playing new. hurt. <laughs> I, I, I don't – they can tell you everything that they want to tell you about it, uh, his effort, his heart, all of that. I'm not questioning any of that. I'm questioning right. when I watch him on the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's not a guy that has to make an inside uh, horizontal move against offensive tackles because he has nowhere to go uh, coming off the line. He has no explosion. He has no pop something isn't right. I've watched every snap of that guy's career, probably most of them five, six times each. He's nowhere close to the player that, that we're used to seeing. That's right. uh, he didn't just get lazy. <laughs> no. he's, he's not right. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to be the, the, the guy in social media that, that diagnoses it by watching film. There's just something not right about him. And his production or complete lack of production, I don't think he's gone four games in his career with less than one full sack, right. which is where he is now. Uh, there's there's something that isn't right with him. Whatever that happens to be, it didn't look to me uh, from the Falcons game that we could reasonably expect it to go away uh, this week. But they haven't gotten a big play from him in a very long time, and this is why he was Defensive Player of the Year. You know, he was a finalist well, three I mean, consecutive years. I mean, Neil, let's be honest. You don't right now the way he's playing. You don't have to leave a running back in to help, and you don't have to chip him. You can actually take haven't. him one on one right now. 
and they, they, they have it. And you saw, keep in mind, the impact of him against the run is also something of, of right. significance for the Steelers. Falcons got their, their stuff together uh, over a couple drives in the second half. They ran all over them. Watt wasn't able to, to chase guys down the way that he did. They let him go. I mean, you don't let backside T.J. Watt go. I mean, right. You had to get somebody in his way or he's going to get you for a loss. I mean, he did that consistently throughout his career. Uh, he, he doesn't have that explosion. And I, I, To me, if I were to venture a guess and you were to ask Arthur Smith, Falcons head coach, um, in, in, in a full truth scenario, did you guys kind of leave Watt alone? I think he'd say yes. Yeah. And I think they, they saw his film and they realized he's not right and he's not going to be. Um, not that you ever completely ignore him, but you don't see him get single covered as often, single yeah. uh, blocked as often as he was against the Falcons. They really let him go, and it worked by the end. Uh, they're not a, a great offensive team. They can run the ball well. There's a lot of factors mm-hmm. that go into that. It's hard to coordinate that, but uh, it, it, Watt was not a factor. They handled him pretty well on on the edge, and that's just not simply something we've seen. Uh, in the last, what we haven't seen it go over maybe six quarters of play uh, in in the last five years. To see it in four games now, um, very different situation. Um, definitely a concern for the Steelers defense. They're they're going to need to get something uh, out of that position. But you know, you're not taking T.J. Watt off the field for Malik Reed. That's for sure. Well, great that uh, you're over at SI. They're lucky to have you. Appreciate you. We're lucky we have you every week. I appreciate you guys as well, and I'll, I'll keep coming back as long as you'll have me. Thanks, Neil. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. Have a good one, guys. Neil Kulong, SI.com. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And... Fabulous service department that takes care of everything. Stem to stern. They're the best. Great technicians. They're looking for more technicians as well. Hey, look, you're sitting around saying, I wouldn't hurt if I changed jobs here around the holidays. Uh, get in touch with Sunbury Motors. I mean, you can show up at the dealership, go online to sunburymotors.com. You can, you know, variety of ways. So. All right. Ever since I brought up the Aaron Judge news, you've been a wreck. Um, yeah, it doesn't make me feel any better. But nobody's talking. Other than that, no. So, just talk to him. Doug Nelson on the network dinner at Mastro's in Beverly Hills there aren't many times in life where you go by the Lamborghini dealership I mean really there aren't when's the last time you saw a Lamborghini dealership (laughs) 
no, senor! So the last time we're there, we're in a cab. And we're going over. And I think we're I think we're on the one oh one. So they put four of us in a cab. And <laughs> these guys are flying all over and I'm in the front seat. And this guy is I'm talking even by California standards. This dude is flying all over the place. <laughs> right. So we get to we get to the restaurant and and we get out and Jack says, Oh my goodness, that's the worst cab drive I've ever seen in my life been in my life. I said I said, Well imagine my view. He goes, what, what about it? He says, I was in the front seat. He goes, oh, my God, how did you survive? <laughs> I said, oh, no. I said, we had 17 or 18 near misses. <laughs> Let's see. So what do you say we get Bill Riley of Utah on the show Monday? Off the air at two o'clock Mountain Time, so that would be four o'clock here. So what do you say? You want to do that? Works for me. Yeah. Because really, it's all about what you like. I always appreciate that. Say two thirty-five Mountain Time. There we go. Perfect. He's off the air at 2. Give him a half an hour. So we'll do 2.35 Mountain Time, 4.35 Eastern on Monday to talk about the wonderful world of Utah football. Hmm. There you go. All right. Now, the only thing I have to do is I have to get a replacement for me on the Iowa basketball game. And it's going to take a little more work than I thought because my backup, Joe Putnam, is going to a wedding. And it's a wedding of a mutual friend, by the way. So it's it's somebody I do know. Oh, my almighty! Okay. So now I've got to come up with plan B. Because we got Brian out there with us. We can't use Brian. I got sent this article, which is intriguing. Um, And Billy uh, Witz wrote it. And it's from the New York Times. It said, UCLA's football wins can't mask its financial woes. It talks about what a great season that they've done, they've had. You know, to that point, you know, they ended up, you know, they beat Utah, as a matter of fact. They lost to USC. Um, And uh, 
and the, this guy celebrated his 60th birthday name of David Brownfield who grew up um, in Sunset, uh, yeah, right around Sunset Boulevard from in Westwood Village. Right? Graduated from UCLA in 85. Had football season tickets with friends ever since. Now he has to pay what he refers to as an annual extortion fee of an $800 donation to buy the tickets. You know, the whole thing. So for his 60th birthday, they traveled to Eugene, Oregon. Let's see UCLA play Oregon. And the game at that point was for first place in the Pac-12. And the first thing they do when they get to Autzen Stadium is they hear, they see a capacity crowd. And every time a touchdown was scored, a ritualistic, they played shout from the Isley brothers, which, I mean, you need to teach your kids. And his first thought was, what an awesome experience. He felt like it was a college football postcard come to life. He says, but I walked away even more depressed because of what it's like at our games at UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Now, Chip Kelly's done a great job there. No getting around it. And they've got some good players. Yet crowds have continued to be barren in the Rose Bowl. UCLA this year averaged before the USC game. The USC game had a huge crowd. They had over 70,000. They still have a couple of tarps up. UCLA has been averaging 36,241 fans a game for their first six. And the university routinely gives away tens of thousands of tickets a season. Remember, the Rose Bowl seats 91,136. So they have covered six sections with powder blue tarps. Um, and Brownfield said it feels like a high school environment. You're sitting there, and sometimes it's just hard to feel like you're watching big-time college football there. But only 36,241 per game in the Rose Bowl pre-USC. And if you're not the Lakers or the Dodgers, you're not generating a lot of buzz. Right? The Rams are over in Inglewood. And guess what? Even the Rams, when they play, get drowned out by the visiting fans, even in the playoffs. The 49ers fans for the NFC Championship game were in huge numbers at that game. Um. Now, now, this is the eighth consecutive season attendance has declined nationally. So, I mean, UCLA is part of that trend. And UCLA athletics being driven, there's, I mean, let's face it, billions in football television rights are there. The men's basketball program, back to national prominence, McCronin's done a great job. They have 119 team national titles, great success. But by the end of the fiscal year, in 2021, they're now out to $104.1 million of being in the red. $104.1 million in the red. Okay? 
There is a $12 million buyout of Jim Moore's contract, an apparel contract rift with Under Armour, cratering, cratering football ticket revenue, five consecutive losing seasons before finally breaking through this year. And they went so deeply into the red that they said, hey, we need to join, we need a financial lifeline. We're going to join the Big Ten. And George Klyovkov, in the interview with the New York Times, said USC and UCLA made decisions in their uh, football program and the rest of their athletic programs that have led to deficits and scandals and performance on the field that probably made the decision to join the Big Ten more attractive. <laughs> really? Is that, that That's how you want to go about it? Again, Klyovkov has not handled this well. The financial fall for UCLA has been swift as it has been steep, according to the New York Times article. With Brett Hundley at quarterback eight years ago, the Bruins set an attendance record. They averaged 76,650 fans per game. That's eight years ago. They averaged 76,650. They had 47,000 season tickets. This year, they have 23,000 season tickets. Ticket revenue for football taking a big dive as well, falling from just under $20 million in 2014 to $9.2 million for 2019. And donations of the athletic programs for UCLA have declined for two consecutive years, falling to $8.4 million for fiscal year 2021. In fiscal year 2019, it was 16.4 million. So they've tried to, you know, they've tried to give away huge blocks of tickets to UCLA games. That hasn't worked. The school gave away an average of nearly 25,000 free tickets per game in 19 and in 21. UCLA drew 52,578 fans for a game against Oklahoma in 2019. They gave away 39,000 tickets. Remember last year? They upset LSU. 68,123. They gave away 29,000 tickets. Tickets sold accounted for less than 80% of the announced attendance in both seasons. Wow. Now, they don't have the tickets given away for this season yet. UCLA had its two smallest crowds ever in the Rose Bowl this season. Troy Aikman called it an embarrassment. Remember, Aikman played in the Rose Bowl in the Super Bowl against the Bills in front of 100,741 fans. Aikman called it a magical place. And Aikman's right. It's the greatest venue for big game college football around the country. I wouldn't trade my days there for anything. It's just a hard place to fill. Martin Jarman makes $1.4 million a year as the athletic director at UCLA. He declined an interview request about football attendance because he was not interested in rehashing old news. He says, perhaps we can make something happen this winter. But 
But that's how deep and dark it is at UCLA. Why do you think they made this move? Remember, they struck that deal with Under Armour. 15 years, $280 million, the richest in the history of college sports. And Under Armour then backed out, breached the contract. Now, they did agree to pay $67 million, which is half of what they would have paid over the remaining contract to settle the claims. So that erased a chunk of the UCLA deficit. The six-year deal, by the way, that UCLA has with Nike, you know what that pays the university, Matt? Probably not a whole lot. 500000 a year in cash, more than $10 million less per year than the Under Armour deal would have paid. Now, they uh, Nike did provide $7 million per year in athletic career, uh, gear. So there's $7 million in gear, 500000 in cash. So that doesn't make a dent as well. And, uh, look, they cannot, they can't build a new stadium. They can't. Because for two reasons. One, there's no room on the Westwood campus. So there's no room to build one. Number two, okay, acquire land around the campus. Do you know how expensive the land is around the campus? Uh And And how long a drive is it, by the way, to go from Westwood to Arroyo Seco? How about 27 miles? So, you wonder why they're doing this with the Big Ten? The TV deal alone is going to get them upwards, you know, again, it builds. Over time, as it builds, it's going to average out to seventy-five to almost eighty million a year. Why do you? So why do you think they joined the Big Ten? And let's face it, if they can get Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan to go out there in some sort of rotation, that's what they need. But that lets you know why UCLA is doing this. It got to the point where they, I'm sure Martin Jarman looked around and said, I have no choice. I've got to do this. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. See how how stark that is? I mean, that's like reading the aftermath of the Titanic. Pretty much, yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, that is the financial version of it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, And this is not Martin. Martin Jarman's the current athletic director. Hey, this is not... This is not, you know... His doing. No, 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 no. Uh, because 
know, he took over, and this is what he inherited. So, I mean, he's got somewhat of a mess here cooking right now. I mean, when when you have that big an issue with ticketing alone, um, it you just put yourself in almost an impossible situation to begin with already. Like, there's minimal margin of error for financially. Like, that's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it really is. All right. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. Sponsored by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Nummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Back tomorrow, Chris Soleri, Detroit Free Press, is going to join us on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Also, Jerry Dulac tomorrow. Santa coming up in an hour. Magic Radio, 6 to 7, here on WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.